Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Monday, June 10th, and this is your FT News Briefing. United Technologies and Raytheon agree on an all-share merger that will create an aerospace and defense powerhouse. Renault will block Nissan's plan to overhaul its corporate governance, and Deutsche Bank has uncovered serious failings in its payment screening. Plus, Theresa May is no longer the leader of the UK's Conservative Party. The FT's Laura Hughes runs through those who are competing for the job and what it might mean for the future of Brexit. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. United Technologies and Raytheon have put the final touches on a $120 billion merger agreement. The deal is expected to close in the first half of 2020. And under the terms, United Technologies will merge its aerospace business with Raytheon. The new combined company would rank as the second largest defense contractor in terms of revenue, just after Lockheed Martin. Together, United Technologies and Raytheon employ about 180,000 people around the world. The deal won't affect United Technologies' previously announced plans. It'll still spin off its Otis Elevator and Carrier Building Systems businesses into separate units. The Pentagon had previously expressed concern over mergers between its five major defense contractors. But since there won't be a lot of overlap, the deal might avoid much regulatory opposition. Renault is threatening to destroy months of work by Nissan. With an abrupt reversal in policy, the French carmaker told its Japanese alliance partner it will block Nissan's plan to overhaul its governance. The decision was revealed in a letter written by Renault's chairman. The letter has not been made public, but people who know about the letter have told the FT that Renault has decided to abstain from a vote that would have allowed Nissan to shift from having statutory auditors to a governance system of three committees. The committees would cover nominations, remuneration, and audit. The plan arose after the arrest of Carlos Ghosn, who was the previous chairman and chief executive of both companies. Renault is a 43% shareholder in Nissan, so by abstaining from the vote, it would deny the proposal the two-thirds majority it needs to pass. People close to Nissan call the move, quote, outrageous and irresponsible, and some speculate that Renault's move could be an attempt to gain leverage over its alliance partner. And Deutsche Bank has uncovered serious failings in its anti-money laundering and sanctions controls. Internal auditors found that the weaknesses lasted years. It's just the latest compliance headache for the German bank. Checks written by corporate clients to foreign recipients were affected by the so-called filtering gap, according to people familiar with the review. High-value electronic payments were also processed without proper screening. The bank discovered the holes in its London office more than six months ago, and the lender is still working to close them. While the use of checks is in decline, Deutsche still processes about 50000 a year through its UK and Ireland cash management unit. The bank has not been able to determine how many years back the failings go or how many checks slip through. Deutsche told the FT that the scope of the check issue was relatively limited because it only affects checks written by three corporate clients who are classified as, quote, low-risk customers. And here's a closer look at a story we're following. 
Theresa May stepped down as Conservative Party leader last week, and so far, 11 candidates are vying to take over at 10 Downing Street. Things kick off today as nominations to take her place open in the morning and close at 5 p.m. And... So many people are standing to be the next Conservative leader. I think there's a feeling that everyone just sort of wants to get on with this and get a new Prime Minister. That's Laura Hughes, the FT's political correspondent in London. Because we've been stuck in this Brexit impasse for so long, the hope is that a new leader is going to be able to come in and take us out of this mess. And Laura, tell us how the race is expected to play out. On Monday afternoon at about 5 p.m., we will know exactly who is standing in the race because they've just changed the rules so you need at least eight MPs to back you before you can stand. So that will already eliminate a few candidates we have on the list. On Thursday is the first ballot of MPs. So every other day for a few weeks, MPs are going to gradually knock people out of the contest so that we're left with just two candidates. Then we'll see a few weeks of those two going out, taking part in hustings, appearing in TV debates. And then after that, the Tory membership, which is about 160,000 signed up paying members of the Conservative Party, will take part in a postal ballot and pick the final candidate. So we can expect the next Prime Minister to be in Downing Street roughly that last week of July. You said that a few candidates might be eliminated. Who are the leading contenders and what are they promising the party? So Boris Johnson, the former foreign secretary, is in the running and he's the current favourite to succeed Theresa May. We've also got Michael Gove, the former Leave campaigner and now environment secretary. There's Sajid Javid, the home secretary, who on Sunday got the backing of Ruth Davidson, the very popular leader of the Scottish Conservatives. Dominic Raab, the former Brexit secretary, is in the running, as is Esther McVeigh, another hardline Brexiteer. And then on the more centre ground part of the party, we have Rory Stewart, who's very much against a no deal. And that also goes for Matt Hancock, the health secretary, who's considered to be a young Cameroon, anti no deal, more centre ground young politician. You had mentioned that Michael Gove is one of the leading candidates, but something happened last week that might have put that in question. Would you care to explain that? Yes. So a a newspaper published a story on Friday night in which it revealed that Michael Gove had taken cocaine on several occasions, so more than 20 years ago. That was a story for a day, but then it seemed to catch up with him because it then later emerged in the Sunday newspapers that he himself had written an article attacking middle-class drug users At the same time, he says he had dabbled in taking the Class A drug himself. Michael Gove has struggled over the last years to win back a lot of trust from both MPs in the membership because, of course, he famously was supporting Boris Johnson's campaign to be the leader of the party in 2016 and then at the very last minute turned around and said, no, he was going to run for it himself. So this is a question not so much about the fact that he took drugs, but more the fact that he appears to have been a hypocrite. That's what people in his own party are saying. And also that, you know, he says things to suit the agenda of the day. Can people really trust him? What does this race mean for Brexit? And how is this supposed to play out before the October 31st deadline? Well, all these candidates are promising very different things. Boris Johnson is saying that we will leave the EU with or without a deal on the 31st of October. 
But there are candidates like Michael Gove, for example, who say it would be crazy to crash out without a deal. So they've differed there. And that's a risky strategy because we know the Tory membership who will choose the next leader. They are largely Eurosceptic and very keen on a no-deal Brexit. So the real dividing line in this contest has been how tough everyone's willing to be with the EU, how tough they want to be on Brexit. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be following Huawei. A senior official of the Chinese telecoms company is due to face a UK parliamentary committee over the role it should play in next-generation 5G networks. The US has said it may curb intelligence sharing with the UK if it continues to do business with Huawei. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.